welcome back. I'm Peter Wood, and I'm the author of Mud Between Your Toes, a Rhodesian farm, which is a memoir about my life growing up in Zimbabwe, or formerly Rhodesia, in the 1960s and 70s. This is a podcast about family, independence, loss, and above all, identity. Hello and welcome back to Conversations with Pete Wood. In today's episode, I'm speaking to Louise Stobart, who's talking to me from Auckland. Louise and her husband, Bruce, were, like so many Zimbabwean farmers, thrown off their farm in the stunning Mazoe Valley by the Mugabe regime back in, I think, 2001. You can correct me on that, Louise. They left Africa and moved to Hawke's Bay in New Zealand, where they ran a small holding and a sculpture gallery. But more of that later. Last year, they decided to take a step back from the rat race and move to a paradise island in the Vanuatu archipelago in the South Pacific. So, Louise, welcome to Conversations with Pete Wood. Hello, Pete. Lovely to be talking with you. Tell me, where are you speaking to me from right now? We are in full quarantine in the Novotel Ellerslie Hotel, which is right on the edge of the uh, famous Ellerslie Racecourse in um, Auckland. But we're not actually allowed to go very far. So we're stuck in our rooms, basically, for 14 full days. <laughs> 14 days. I mean, OK, thank God. It's a, I thought I imagined you being in an aircraft hangar or something. <laughs> no, it's like a comfortable prison. Right. And, and, and so, okay, can you tell us how on earth did you end up in quarantine in Auckland? And, and well, let, let, take us through the past fortnight. Okay. Well, the, the, the long and the short of it is we've just come through a busy summer at Birdwoods. Um, and we have um, lovely friends, John and Nikki Stevens, who many um, people will, will know from, from Harare, John the Safari Guide fame. Uh, John and Nikki had a, a, a client of theirs that they were showing New Zealand for three weeks, and then they wanted to tack on a week uh, on a tropical island for their VIP client. And so they asked us if they could come uh, and meet us in Vanuatu. So we agreed. March is probably not the best time of year in Vanuatu because it's it can be quite hot and humid. So we agreed. So we uh, flew over and we were there a few days in and that thing COVID started to, to take its grip. And the American uh, pulled out. So he didn't come. So John and Nikki said, well, it's all there. We'll come. So they came for five nights and we had a fabulous time with them. They're such good company. And they uh, enjoyed their time with us. And then they left on what turned out to be the very last flight that left uh, Port Vila, which is the capital of the, the mainland. So they got out um, having been a bit delayed. And we then tried to get on the next flight. And that was foiled. We had to fly to Port Vila. We hung around for a couple of days. And they said, sorry, uh, there might not be another one for two weeks. So then we went back to, we had to hire a, a light aircraft to fly back to Luganville, which is the capital of Santo, which is the biggest in the Vanuatu chain of the 83 islands. So we flew back and thought, well, we'll just sit it out. That's our home there and we've got jobs we can get on with. And then came the unexpected, the Category 5 cyclone Harold, which 
bowled straight over the top of us. Um, the, the eye literally went over the top of us, um, leaving a wake of extreme devastation. And we then, <laughs> it's a long story, so I'll keep going. So yeah, do, do. Please do. Uh, you know, just to say a, a category five, that is winds up to 250 kilometers an hour or around about 155 miles per hour. And I expect your little island didn't stand a chance. No, um, they say they clocked wind speeds of over just over 240 kilometers an hour. No, we can get to the get to the cyclone in a minute, but I'll get back to our hotel room, which is where we're at. So, yeah, we went through the, the, the eye of the storm, say to, so to say. And then there were these frantic messages from the New Zealand High Commission um, saying that a Hercules was coming in with aid relief. And that was our only opportunity uh, to get off the island and we might not get out for another three to six months. So we absolutely made the call to try and get home. So we came home uh, uh, on a Hercules on Saturday, Easter Saturday night and arrived in our lockdown hotel at four o'clock in the morning. Um, that was a, an interesting experience. And so here we are. Yeah, that's how we got to where we are. So we've got 14 days until release date. And then we will attempt to get back to Birdwoods. I mean, it's incredible. So this was a, a New Zealand, I mean, not a, sorry, a New Zealand Air Force Hercules. Uh, they're not exactly known for their creature comforts, are they? How long was the journey from Vanuatu <laughs> to Auckland? It was well. It was five hours, and um, it was. In a, yeah, it was, there were forty-one of us. There were only five from a cyclone country. That was Santo, um, and then there were forty. The, the rest, well, the rest made up forty-one of us, and they loaded us on, and we were on those sort of um, webbing seats. We didn't have proper seats. We had like webbing seats. It was fantastic for the first twenty minutes, and then it was bloody <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, it was cold, and it was incredibly noisy, but. They they made us feel as as comfortable as we could, and we got a little packed packed lunch, and yeah, we we um we had a, a an interesting journey. I'm not sure I want to go in one again, but I'm glad to say we have been in one. Um, and I have to say that the the Vanuatu government were terrified of they are terrified of the virus. They are one of the few countries in the world that are virus free. So um, the 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 lengths that the New Zealand government went to get us out of there were extreme. And they they were we were I think we we are considered very lucky to be out. And it was thanks in part to the cyclone, well perhaps in full to the cyclone that we actually got the flight out. Otherwise, I think we'd still be there. You'd still be there. I mean, when you got to Auckland, were were you met with people in hazmat suits and everything, or was it fairly? <laughs> oh yeah, I tell you what, it was fantastic. We got off. We were on the bus. I probably I felt like we had all had Ebola. Um, we we were given the right going over, but there were military ambulances, health workers, police, uh, every single kind of official that sort of sort of looked at us from distance and then we went through a barrage of of health checks and endless form filling and we were given uh, briefings and then we were locked in our rooms <laughs> wow i mean i know you don't want to make this conversation all about you but i mean it is pretty fascinating you know going from a paradise island suddenly into quarantine it's like stepping into a reality show i hope the hotel isn't like one of those ships it's not like one of it's not going to be like a petri dish of disease is it 
<laughs> well, the really alarming factor for Bruce and I is that we cannot open a window. So it's all one of these hermetically sealed buildings and there's air conditioning. And I keep thinking, you know, there's probably germs coming through the air conditioning unit. It's not ideal. Um, we have a view of some tin roofs and some fat pigeons who look at us from the outside. But it's it's fine. It's comfortable. We get a paper bag of food delivered outside our door. It's like a takeaway meal three times a day with fizzy drinks and large biscuits and crisps and, you know, really and, slimming things. And you'll so, end up divorcing each other at the end of it. Yeah, we're, we're doing quite well. We had a bit of a squabble yesterday. We're doing okay. We, we, we have, <laughs> there are two large separate beds. <laughs> My God. Okay. So, so, I mean, it looks like New Zealand are taking the whole coronavirus thing very seriously. And I think that's a good thing. Um, let's go back to Vanuatu. Now, the place you have there, you, it's called Lula, L-U-L-A, isn't it? Your little yeah, home. Yeah, Lula, that, that's the name we gave it. Um, uh, Bruce says he has no say in it whatsoever. But Lula's was is, is, is um, Portuguese for octopus, and it's got many tentacles, and our lives have had quite a few tentacles to it. So we thought that was... Uh, appropriate and we have octopus resident on the on the edge of our jetty so um lula's on auri is 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 our island home and we as i say we spent the whole year renovating this gorgeous place last year and um yeah that got undone in about uh, four and a half hours yeah i mean i saw a photo of you and you had no roof Uh no um the, the our house is right on the edge of the ocean it's in a channel so we're we're off the mainland of santo luganville capital and so ari island's about 60 kilometers in circumference and so we we um have a lovely location and the house is probably 35 years old it was built in the 80s um and it's a sort of old plantation style um the second owners who had it weren't very good builders and anything that they added on or built was demolished so we lost all our back cottage and uh, guest house and workshop generator shed. And then we lost the entire roof of our bedroom. Um, and there's been quite a, a lot of, uh, oh, the main the main thing we lost was actually water access. We had quite a, a, quite a good jetty system with walkways going up to the house. The power of the ocean through that storm didn't, even the, the most expensive jetty on, on, the, on the island was taken out. There's not a single, jetty or mooring that's remained so that yeah that was quite that's quite a lot of work that we've got to put back into it but nothing that's not doable nothing that's not doable i mean as awful as it is the more devastating news is the long-term damage i should imagine to the local population can you tell us how they're dealing with this and what people can do to help oh thank you that's a lovely question because a lot of people have asked us so the, the last day I've spent um, trying to get my head around Facebook and put a couple of lengthy posts on the Louise Stobart Facebook page, which has got a link to a Give a Little um, organization uh, called Pacific Pathways. And these are friends of ours on the island. They're Kiwis. They went to Vanuatu after Cyclone Pam ravaged another part of Vanuatu, and they're quite uh, um, used to rebuilding uh, a devastated cyclonic um, communities and so they're on the ground and this is in their back backyard so they are just the right people to channel the funds through and they will go immediately and directly to the community so on Auri there's about um, there are five different villages there's about 300 people and every single one of them has lost virtually everything because it was actually quite a big tidal surge 
So their shelters, which are not, it's a bit like Africa, not very strong. They, they didn't stand a chance in those winds. But then the tidal surge came in behind and took away all their pots and pans and blankets and anything, any possessions they had. So literally the clothes on their back whilst they were sheltering in, in caves and old World War II bunkers is, is what they've been left with. And there's no fruit, there's no root vegetables, everything has gone. So these guys are in... In, in trouble for the, the immediate future. And down the line, they are resourceful and they will recover and it's verdant and it will grow again. But right now, they just need a bit of assistance. So if anyone was interested and wants to look on, on, on my Facebook page, there it is there and there's a link to a donation. And even the, you know, 20 bucks will go such a long way to help these people. So if anyone's feeling generous, that would be fabulous. Absolutely. I mean, I've got the link here. It's, it's givealittle.co.nz. Um, if you just go onto that, you automatically get directed to Pacific Pathways, or the, yes, the full the, the yeah. full the full link is givealittle.co.nz forward slash org forward slash Pacific Pathways. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, we'll, we'll repeat that a little bit later as well. When are you planning on getting back to re rebuild your own house, and who's looking after it in the meantime? Oh yeah. So we had a bit of a scurry to to catch the Hercules and and pack up the house and try and try and get some access because the, tr the, the one of the things the beautiful things about the island is these magnificent trees they have everywhere and the, it is the most beautiful bush and they haven't had a, a a big cyclone through there probably in a hundred years they've had no direct hits so this is catastrophic for the 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 flora and fauna. Um, so the first thing was to try and make way to get out our gate, to get access to the water, to get access up to our generator shed. We had a huge number of trees down on our property. We left with one palm tree, and I think we had about eight. Um, so that was the first job, is to just literally wash back. And it was just Bruce and I, because the locals were all trying to recover their lives. Um, so we spent four very hot, uncomfortable days uh, trying to to just uh, board everything up, pack everything into the house, put rat bait down, and we have a kind neighbour who's building next door to us, and he has security guards that are going to keep an eye on it. So yeah, we just fingers crossed. I mean, if the rats don't get it, the looters will, I and mean, it has been looting already. But hopefully, we will be spared. So and then uh, who knows when we'll get back? They're yeah. talking six months. Well, you know, everyone in the world is stuck where they are right now, so that's not going to change. Yeah, but it's you know, not new. No. Yeah, this is this, of course, isn't your first home that you've lost. Although I shouldn't use the word lost; that that implies you've been careless. Um, but of course, your <laughs> farm in Zim was taken from you. What was the name of your farm? We had Marodzi River, which was part of the Great ah, Riversdale Estates, and okay, we Marodzi. But Okay, so it was we a very, just, uh, yeah. It was a very pretty farm, Louise. I remember and a beautiful farmhouse. I remember going there to buy sculpture for my gallery, which I, I had a gallery at the time in Hong Kong. I was trying to educate the the Hong Kong people in contemporary African art. Anyway, that must have been I think that must have been around about the millennium. Tell us yes, about your sculpture. Tell us about your sculpture business and the inspiration behind it. Well, that goes back, Pete, that goes back a long way. So in 1991, Bruce um, 
was awarded a, a Nuffield Farming Scholarship and we traveled for seven months. He traveled around the world and I joined him for quite a lot of it. And when we came back, he was actually working on Art Farm at the time. And when we came back, we were committed. We were the new young Zimbabweans committed to agriculture and uh, and we, we decided we wanted to go farming, but we didn't have any capital behind us. Um, so we we started being creative and 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 making making way for some funds to to buy our own place. And so Birdwoods was born, um, creating metal birds out of old oil drums. And uh, I, I guess that Arthur Asvedo, who's a, a very well known Zimbabwean metal artist, um, and he is the best of the best. He was inspirational for us. And I guess we commercialized his art form. I won't say copied because we had our own designs, but we did. Oops, sorry. I'll just turn that off. Um, we did have. Um, we were. I was very inspired by him and the art form and some of his, some of the the, the young black men who were working for. Um, there was part of the the. Uh, it was the National Gallery set up a, a workshop um, for metal sculptors. And so we worked with a couple of them, and that's how Birdwood started. And we went along to the Borrowdale Craft Fair, which was the first uh, fair that we ever attended. And KK Murphy and I had a store called Country Collectibles, which was selling various crafts, and she'd done some lovely um, earthenware pots that they'd been making on the farm. And Bruce and I had been traveling around the country, picking up curios and crafts from the side of roads and wherever, far and wide. And we'd started making the metal birds. And they just, they sold before we even opened. So we realized quite quickly that's where the route we were going to go. Yeah, not and surprising. They were absolutely, they are absolutely stunning. Yeah, well, they, they were enduring and we the business grew very, very quickly. And the first five years, we had no competition. We were just we just couldn't keep up with it. And the workforce, we went from uh, one man helping us to 30. I think at the most we had 35 guys, full time welders working for us. And so the business grew and grew. And then once we bought our farm, Marodzi River in Missouri, we shifted the business it came along with us. And so Bruce was running the farm and I was running Birdwoods. And it soon became um, an exporter's game. And we got into the world of export and we started exporting all over the world. And yeah, it, it sort of grew beyond belief in many ways. We were sending large numbers of birds to America, to Europe, to to South Africa. Um, and at that stage, as I say, we didn't have any competition. Then the competition started creeping in, and that became a bit more challenging. But well, we had our brand. We, we we managed. I mean, I suppose a sign of success in the art world is to have your work copied. And you do see these birds now all over the streets in Harare. Um, but they they are not as beautiful. They're a bit heavy and clunky. Yours were, yours had an elegance to them. You also did dung beetles and chameleons. I mean, in fact, I'm looking at a chameleon <laughs> right now as we speak. Um, so, so what's become of the business now? Do you still employ those artists? No. So when we left and the farm, we were literally being jumbunged on the day we were being jumbunged. I had made a phone call and we knew we had to relocate our Birdwoods business. Um, there's a bit of a story be behind behind that. We, When we were being thrown off the farm, we were in the throes of 
um, an order for a French customer who wouldn't let us know who the VIP client of theirs was, but we knew it was a luxury end. Um, uh, 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 it was it was a high end luxury brand, and so we dealt with the agent and. We had committed to making 1,800 birds, which uh, the time frame was, it was about 18 months. It was a big order and we knew it had to be done to perfection. So we were very, very nervous when we were being thrown off the farm because we knew we'd be sued if we didn't fulfill our commitment. So we had to use the metal birds when we were being thrown off. We used that as bargaining power uh, to to uh keep the, the birdwoods going and our crop in the ground. So Bruce had a very fine crop of uh, wheat and he negotiated with the woman who took our farm that she would take 30% of our crop and in return we could keep making the birds for the extra three months to finish the order um, and then we would be um, off for good. Uh, so yeah, that we, we did that, but she ended up actually taking all of it as as these things happened, and uh, we did uh, we did in in the middle of that we managed to sell Birdwoods to Tim and Joy Denton, who to this day have still got it and are still running it. Joy has through thick and thin kept Birdwoods going, and it's pretty miraculous because I think it's been really tough trying to deal through the economics of Zimbabwe. So Birdwood's still still going, and we continue to buy from from joy and she most of the designs are, are very similar to what to our designs we created and she has a few new ones of her own yeah you know i mean so when i had the gallery in hong kong i had both african shona sculpture as well as birdwood sculptures and the birdwood ones were the first to sell i don't know whether it's because hong kong flats don't have the space for a big serpentine sculpture, whereas your rather elegant uh, birds fitted in. But I did have one complaint from a woman, very posh woman who lived on the peak in Hong Kong. The peak's a very posh neighborhood, but it's constantly shrouded in cloud. And she moaned that her birds rusted away into nothing within six months. Anyway, I didn't give her a <laughs> refund. I thought, stuff her. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> just tell it to buy some more. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, you know, so so you were you were th thrown off the farm. You moved to Hawkes Bay in New Zealand, and then you set up a shop there. Tell us about your little shop in Hawkes Bay, because I read a New Zealand Herald article. So you you must have made some kind of impression there. Well, how so? How it happened? So. Uh, Robin KK um, Murphy had already moved to Hawke's Bay about 18 months before we got there uh, and they were very they were settling quickly and when we were looking for somewhere to go they were being thrown off the farm and they were farming about 40 minutes on the edge of Mburui from us and when they left they said come come we, we had to make a decision to go to either I don't know it was Australia Canada or, or New Zealand and they said well don't be ridiculous come near us because it's much more fun when you've got friends so we made the decision to go and and to join them and live uh, live near them which and we came with Chris and Claire Foote who went to Hamilton so they were farming uh, also 40 minutes in the other direction just outside of Harare so the three families made the sort of decision to stick together and come together and it was one of the best decisions we made because we have remained the absolute best of friends and we have supported each other and our children through thick and thin so that was a really good decision it made our moves so much easier so when we got to New Zealand we had been able to put a bit of cash out the country thanks to Birdwoods and to Bruce's fine uh, farming 
practices. So we had saved some money enough to put a deposit down on a piece of land with 20 acres. And in those days, you could just walk into the bank, put down 10% and it was yours. It was easy. So we had a vision. Now we'd lost Birdwoods. We'd lost um, the farm. We weren't able to go farming. So we had a vision of creating a, a space, a gallery to represent all the sculptors and the craftspeople that we had left behind because there was a tremendous guilt at that stage of leaving these people that we'd employed. And, and also it was the only thing that kind of I knew how to do. So we relocated an old church hall onto our property. That was our first year. And then Bruce and I spent a lot of time actually renovating it ourselves. It was uh, it was a very, very tough uh, first 10 years, I would say, were tough. Um, we started Birdwoods and that has that's now 16 years old. It's grown into, well, I know people say it is the most loved, most popular tourist uh, visitor desk in our area, which is as because it's a big part of the world. So it's grown like Topsy. It's it's grown much more than a gallery. It's got a, a cafe, restaurant, a venue, blah, blah, blah. It's got lots on it at the go. Louise, uh, the reception isn't brilliant. I suppose everyone in the hotel are using uh, the uh, the internet. Um, so you're, you're you're sitting around in quarantine. You've got lots of time to think. Um, you, you obviously aren't going to be coming over to Hong Kong too so soon. Um, I last saw you here in Hong Kong at the launch of my book, Mud Between Your Toes. You and Bruce were passing through and had a 24-hour stopover. So I was absolutely honoured that you chose to spend your one night in Hong Kong at my bloody book launch. <laughs> anyway, I believe you have a few... <laughs> we loved it. <laughs> I believe you have a, a, a few lonely, unsold copies of my book in your shop. I suppose it's an acquired taste, really, mud between your toes. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to say this out... I'm going to say this out loud to my thousands of fans in New Zealand. I think that's just you. Head down to Hawke's Bay and bloody well buy my book. Or failing that, buy a homemade ice cream. Um, are you still making Absolutely. your own ice cream? Hell no, we've never made our own ice cream. We we have real fruit ice cream, so we buy in the mix and then add the Hawke's Bay fruit. But going back to your book, Pete, we need some more because actually I don't think I think I have sold all the copies that you sent. I think we've sold about forty or fifty. So I'm sure I can do better, and I will okay. do better, and we will get out there. <laughs> because I promise you, I do not want to see on your Facebook a a check with a zero 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 on the end of it that you've received wasn't, from Amazon. Wasn't that sad? I mean, Amazon sends you this commission of zero pounds sterling i mean the stamp costs more than the bloody commission quite incredible anyway um now 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 uh, <laughs> you know going back to that by the way in my defense um amazon.com always send me a commission and that's quite a decent commission this was amazon uk and for some reason my book isn't selling in the uk very well uh, so okay when are you get when are you going to get back to vanuatu then who knows, Pete? It's like everybody, we just don't know. We're meant to be back in Zimbabwe in May buying stone sculpture for the gallery, but that's also on hold. I mean, I think we're all in a who knows kind of holding yeah. pattern here. So, yeah, uh, we'll go when we can, and we'll probably take some friends and go and have a, have a walking holiday. 
yeah, it's fine for now. We need to get back to Birdwoods. We employ 35 people whose jobs are at risk um, and we need to get our business back because um, otherwise we'll go broke. <laughs> we yeah, don't want to do I, that. Totally. So uh, I'm going to sort of uh, do a bit of a promotion here again. So your your website is birdwoodsgallery.co.nz. Is that correct? If you just type in Birdwoods Gallery to Mr. Google, he will tell you where to go. Okay, and your Instagram site is Lulas on Aori, L-U-L-A-S-O-N-A-O-R-E. And to reiterate again, you can donate on givealittle.co.nz and you can go onto that site and you'll be directed to Pacific Pathways. No, the exciting thing, Pete, is I am excited, actually. Last night, between when we were speaking, we raised five thousand dollars for the um, for that um, Pacific Pathways. So I was delighted. Oh, wow. That's absolutely amazing to hear. Yeah. Well, I, ho I hope my little thing up. will also help uh, bring in a bit of money as well. Yeah, well, that's it's great. And every little bit, you just chip away. And, you know, the, the, for there, the good thing is, you know, the, every $100 you raise, actually, it's like $1,000 in real money because it goes a long way. So, yeah, Absolutely. I feel like we, we're, not, we're not wasted sitting in our in our hotel room. We've just had a had, – we get like old people. We're going from meal to meal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Louise. Louise, do you ever get back to Zimbabwe? Do you have any plans of getting back there in the near future? Sadly, uh, Pete, I think with COVID, we, we, we were due to go back in May this year, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So this might be the year that we don't go, which is actually really tough on the artists because they rely on the income from the stone sales to us. And I'm not sure if I've said, but we are now the biggest uh, exporter of, of stone sculpture um, anywhere in the world. So they do rely heavily on us and we bring in US dollar cash, which goes directly into their their accounts. So sadly, we're not. But um, as stone is the biggest part of the Birdwoods business, it's it's been been good for the artists. And I think I, I um, said that our son, Jack, who's our eldest, he, he was the naughty one. He worked on the super yachts for five years and then he wanted to set up his own business and he came back with us last year in May and was fascinated about the whole process of, of buying from the communities. So he actually ended up staying on for about another three months and he became, uh, he, he lived and worked with the communities for that time uh, under the tutelage of some of the, the well-known artists that looked after him beautifully and he immersed himself fully so at the end of that, um, having learned how to carve and carved a few of his own pieces, he purchased a 20-foot container of, and filled it full of stone that he bought from the artists, brought it back to New Zealand. And then he set up Birdwood South, which was entirely of his own doing, obviously under our, our brand and the Birdwood's umbrella. And he set it up in Arrowtown, just outside of Queenstown. And he had five fantastic weeks of sales um, before the, the before the shutdown, so he he has the the model. He knows it works. He loved the whole experience. He loved the people, and hopefully he will reopen at some stage. Well, that I mean that's brilliant that uh, the local communities in Zimbabwe can hopefully still keep going. 
only if we are able to get back. We can't really do it online. Often people say, can you buy online? It's really tricky because you, you have to be there to see it, to feel it, to touch it, to know. Just I think instinctively we've got a good idea of what now sells and what doesn't. So, yeah, look, later on in the year, hopefully we will get back. We have no plans on shutting this part of our business down. So I think it's just like the rest of us. It's just a waiting game and we just have to do it tough. And at the end of it, we hope that travel will be uh, lifted so that we can get back. That's right. But we just have to hope. I really, really, really urge people, if they don't know anything about contemporary Shona sculpture, go to the birdwoodsgallery.co.nz. Honestly, this is not your usual touristy kind of thing. It's absolutely beautiful. And some of the pieces are huge, aren't they? Yeah, big. Um, we, we get um we get commissions. We we yeah, the bigger the better often. We've have some we've some magnificent pieces. Well, Louise, look, I think we better end before I lose you completely. Uh, listen, thank you so much for sharing your moving and very inspirational story. You know, at times like this, it's too easy to forget during this COVID period of our lives that there are actually thousands of other stories out there, deeply personal and moving stories still happening outside the sphere of the actual pandemic. Um, so I'm going to let you get back to your quarantine. Um, and please send my love to... <laughs> I know, it's dinner time. <laughs> you don't want to miss that. And please send my love to Bruce. I hope that we can all meet again in happier times. Absolutely, Pete. Thank you. And keep t getting people to tell your story because they're lovely. I know more and more people are enjoying them. So I'm loving them. Thoroughly enjoying going back down memory lane with, with you and your voice and your friends. So keep doing what you're doing. It's, it, it's good. That's fantastic. Thanks so much, Louise. Um, and uh, I'm going to say one more time, givealittle.co.nz and you'll get redirected to Pacific Pathways. Louise Stobart, thanks so much for joining me on Conversations. Lots of love. Bye. Well, that's about it. Thank you so much for listening to me. And remember, you can tune into my new episodes of Mud Between Your Toes via iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Blueberry, and Pocket Casts. Don't forget, you can always buy a copy of my book on both Amazon and Kindle. And I also welcome comments by email on mudbetweenyourtoes at gmail.com. If you want to get involved and you have a good story to tell about those years in Rhodesia, and if you're brave enough to be interviewed for mud between your toes, feel free to write to me. Goodbye.